And church, thank you again for being with us today. Special week, and thank you again to our veterans. Boy, church, I'm grateful that uh, we can show up today and worship in freedom. Amen. Amen. I'm grateful for the freedom that God has given us in this country and how God has used men and women in our armed forces to provide and preserve that freedom. And so veterans, thank you. In fact, could we just take a moment this morning? If you're a veteran, you've served in, in any capacity, man or woman, would you stand this morning and can we just thank you as we look around? Thank you, men, and thank you, ladies. You may be seated. I appreciate those that uh, have given so much that we might be free. Amen? Amen. And uh, boy, it's what a wonderful weekend, what a wonderful opportunity for us as a church and as a nation just to say thank you. But then again, uh, a special weekend for our baptismal candidates this morning, for, for our friends who have joined us from around the community. It is good to have you this morning with us in the house of the Lord. As we look into God's word this morning, I'm reminded that the Bible is anything but boring. You know, it amazes me when people make uh, that accusation against the Bible. The Bible's anything but boring. You, you look into the Bible and you know what you find? You, you find that the Bible answers all of the big questions of life. The Bible tells us where we came from. The Bible tells us why we're here. The Bible tells us where we're going and so much more. You look into the Bible, you find all sorts of interesting accounts. You find the accounts of those who left everything to follow God into the unknown. You find the accounts of, of, of incredible and intense battles. Think of David and Goliath and Gideon and the Midianites. You think of the accounts of love that took place in Scripture. Think of Ruth and Boaz, the Song of Songs, and many others. Accounts of redemption. How God could take a, a murderer and a persecutor like Saul, who we know is Paul, and use him mightily for his glory. The Bible is full of accounts of miracles that changed the world forever. Think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hey, hallelujah, the tomb is empty today. Jesus is alive. You know, the Bible, if you read it, is anything but boring. But most importantly, you know what the Bible does? The Bible reveals God and his love to us in ways that nothing else ever could. Now, talk about interesting stories. Our story today, our scripture today, tells of a very interesting dinner party with a very not invited guest. I mean, this is one of those, like, if I could have been a fly on the wall moments. You ever been to one of those gatherings? As a pastor, I've been to a few. Sadly, more often than not, the uninvited guests show up to weddings and funerals. And as pastor, there's not a whole lot I can do except to sit back and say, okay, I guess this is happening. For you, Thanksgiving's coming up. Maybe for you, it's that everyone's favorite uncle who you know at Thanksgiving dinner this year is going to want to say something. And at a certain point, you're just there for the show, right? But the account this morning is a very interesting story of a very interesting dinner party with a very un or not invited guest. But we're going to learn something today from this story about Jesus and just how he loves 
you and me. So let's start. Let's read what Frank read this morning. We're actually going to continue through the rest of the story as we go through the scripture today. But we're going to start with verses 36 through 40 together. And one of the Pharisees desired him, that's Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he, Jesus, went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with his tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, This man, speaking of Jesus, if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that have touched him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. Now this is one of those, like I said earlier, imagine if you were a fly on the wall moments. Simon was a Pharisee, a, a, a man of the religious elite, a man of high reputation. And he had invited Jesus over to his house for a meal. Now, often these meals of very important people were held in an open courtyard. And it provided a, a source of almost like entertainment for the common people. They could come and they could watch the, the leaders and the local celebrities of that day eat and hear what they're talking about and, and kind of be in on what was going on. So we have this meal where this uh, religious elite, this man of high reputation, has invited Jesus and into this scenario enters this woman. Now this woman was no ordinary woman of the town. This woman was well known in the community for one thing. She was a sinner. And what it means by that is, is she was a fairly scandalous woman. She was known as a woman of ill repute. In our day and age perhaps she had an OnlyFans account by day and was an escort by night. But this woman, who was known in this community for her sin, comes up behind Jesus and begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears, begins wiping them with her hair, and then anoints them with a very expensive perfume. Now Simon, the Pharisee, the man of high and holy reputation, had some thoughts about this woman of ill repute, did he not? Well, first of all, he was embarrassed by her presence. How dare this kind of woman enter into my courtyard and inject herself into my meal? He was embarrassed by her presence. He was annoyed by her spectacle. And he was disparaging of Jesus. If Jesus was who he thinks he is, he would know what kind of woman this was. But you know, it shows us something about Simon. Isn't that true? Very often when we're critical about others, rather than showing us things about other people, it shows us something about ourselves. But Simon's critical spirit here, it shows us something about Simon. It showed us that Simon the Pharisee couldn't see a very important truth. And that is simply this, that Jesus and his love are available to every man. Jesus and his love are available to every 
man. You know, Jesus said of himself, Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, that he had come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, here's the reality about those who are lost in this world. It's all of us. Every single one of us are lost apart from God. In Romans 3 and verse 23, the Bible tells us this, For all have sinned. The sin is anything that I think, say, or do that, that, that violates God's person and God's law. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you don't think you're a sinner, I encourage you, check with your spouse. They will fill you in. Or just consider the Ten Commandments. The first Ten Commandments talks about how we should have no other God before him. Boy, we put things in front of God all the time, don't we? And that's just the first one. It talks about how uh, we continue in the Ten Commandments, how we shouldn't take the name of the Lord in vain, how we shouldn't steal, how we shouldn't kill, how we shouldn't commit adultery. Now, you may think, well, you know, I'm not really doing a whole lot of killing these days. Jesus says, do you have anger in your heart and unforgiveness? You say, well, I haven't really stepped out on my spouse lately, but Jesus said, have you lusted after someone in your heart? You see, very quickly we find that when we hold ourselves to God's standard, that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that all of us fall into the category of the lost ones that Jesus came to save. But the beautiful thing here, the thing that Simon missed, was that Jesus and his love are available to every man. Jesus loved, loves and came to save all types of sinners. He came to save the skeptic and the seeker and the simple and the shameful and everyone in between. Because at the end of the day, all of us are simply sinners of one form or fashion. The Savior has come for those who need saving. We couldn't get to him, and so hallelujah, he came to us. I love the verse, John chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says this. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In the next month or so, we're going to celebrate Christmas. What is Christmas? It is a celebration of the greatest gift that is ever given. And that is the gift that God gave us when he gave us his Son. You see, you and I couldn't go to him, so he came to us. And Simon missed the important truth that Jesus and his love are available to every man. And sadly, I think this Simon missed why Jesus came because Simon missed who Jesus was. Did you notice Simon's assumption? He thought within himself. He said, well, if this man, Jesus, was a true prophet, he would know the truth about this woman. And if this man, Jesus, was a true prophet, he would give her the rejection and the rebuke that she deserved. Well, Simon missed who Jesus was and why Jesus was here. Simon missed who Jesus was because he expected that Jesus should be, think, and act like him. Church, let me tell you this morning, Jesus is not hidden. Jesus is here. He came to make God known. 
He came to, to, to offer to us God's forgiveness and God's love. He is not hidden. He is here. But I'm going to tell you, many people miss him just like Simon. Because what do we do? We expect uh, that Jesus will come and be like us. When the reality is Jesus has come to make us like him. But hallelujah, Jesus and his love are available to every man. So the gauntlet's been thrown down. Simon has made these awful assumptions about this woman and about Jesus. In verse 40, Jesus says this, because Jesus knows Simon's thoughts. Simon, I have something to say to you. And he saith, Master, say on. Verse 41, Jesus here is telling a story. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one which owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. So we see, number one, church, that Jesus and his love are available to every man. But now Jesus is going to teach us something else here. Secondly, Jesus is going to teach us that Jesus and his love are not only available to every man, but are abundant towards every man. Jesus here in this story addresses the real issue. Jesus here tells the story, a story of two debtors. So let me help you a little bit with some of the Bible language here. It talks about 500 pence and 50 pence. A pence is, is basically a day's wage. So we had some different debts here. We had one man that, that owed a debt of 50 days wages. So let's just for round numbers say about $10,000. We have another man who, who owed a debt of about 500 days wages, uh, 10 times that amount. So for round numbers, let's say $100,000. So the debts were different, but the difficulty was the same in that both men were broke and incapable of repayment. They were depleted, they were delinquent, and the time had come to pay the piper. Now, the creditor could have taken these broke men who were incapable of repaying their debts, and in Bible times, the creditor could have rightly sent them to debtor's prison, something that was often actually referred to in that time to as the tormentors. But he didn't. Instead, the creditor in Jesus' story did something incredible. When they couldn't pay, what did he do? He freely forgave their debts. He didn't offer them credit refinancing services. He didn't offer them reductions in debt. He removed it. What's the point here? The point is simply this. Simon had an awareness of other people's sin, didn't he? He saw this woman who was a sinner Simon had an awareness of other people's sin, but he had no awareness of his own. And you know what happens when we have an awareness of our own sin? Awareness of our sin confronts us with the reality that whether we are big sinners or little sinners in the eyes of man, we are all spiritually bankrupt sinners in the eyes of God. Romans 3 and verse number 10 reminds us that there are 
none righteous. No, not one. In Romans 6.23, it reminds us this, that the wage, the penalty, the payment, the consequence of sin is what? Is death. You know, church, bankrupt is bankrupt, isn't it? Whether it's 10K and you can't pay, it's bankrupt. If it's 100K and you can't pay, it's bankrupt. If it's a million dollars or uh, several trillion dollars uh, and you can't pay, it's still what? Bankrupt. Bankrupt is bankrupt is bankrupt. And that's bad news for us because you and I are sinners. That means you and I have a debt that we could never pay. But you know the good news of this story is that Jesus and his love are not just available to every man, but that Jesus and his love are abundant towards every man. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus paid it all. Romans 5 and verse number 8 reminds us of this, but God, he commended, he demonstrated, he manifested his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Go back to Romans 6.23 if you could. We saw that the wage, the penalty, the consequence, what we have earned for our sin is death, but... But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid it all. He didn't offer us credit refinancing. He didn't offer us reduction so we could work our way out of the rest of it. He made it possible to remove it from us forever. Revelation 1 and verse number 5 describes it this way. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, look what he did. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Isaiah 1 in verse number 18 reminds us, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Sometimes people ask me, why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to die on the cross? Well, because he died on the cross to pay the debt that you and I owe. The death that we have earned from our sins, He took upon Himself on the cross. When He died on the cross, He paid it all. He made it possible for you to be free from the penalty of your sin, free from the power of your sin, free from guilt and shame. And no one is too great a sinner for the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 7 and verse number 25 says this, Wherefore He is also... He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He can save to the uttermost. How many of you ever heard the song Amazing Grace? Oh, man, I'm not going to sing it. All right. Be grateful. I'm not going to sing it. There's a reason I don't lead a lot of music around here. Amazing Grace. Boy, that's a great song, isn't it? Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound 
has saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, and now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. There's a lot of verses, aren't there? "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." I think if you look it up, there's really like, like 737,000 verses to it. You know, different hymnals pick like five or six, but there's a lot. We won't sing them all. I won't sing any of them. Amen, amen, amen. Here's what I want to point out. You shouldn't be amen in that. <laughs> the most beautiful and well-known hymn for hundreds of years about the grace of God was written by a man who was involved in the slave trade for many years. Made his money doing some of the most despicable things that humanity has ever done. But you know what he found? One day that man, John Newton, was in the, he found what? That Jesus and his love are not just available to every man, but they are abundant towards every man. And God saved him out of that, and God used him mightily. And isn't it amazing how very often, you know, we focus on people's pasts, don't we? I mean, all this Pharisee Simon could see was that this woman was a sinner. But where other people see our past, God sees the future that he desires for us. The forgiveness that he desires for us. No one is too great a sinner for the blood of Jesus. Jesus is able and desires to freely and completely save to the uttermost even the worst among us. Why? Because Jesus and his love are abundant towards every man. So we've seen a couple of truths. Number one, what have we seen, church? We've seen that Jesus and his love are what? Jesus and his love are available to every man. We've seen, secondly, that Jesus and his love are abundant towards every man. So the gauntlet was thrown. Simon had all of these criticisms in his heart. Jesus answered with a story, but I want to see how this closed. Verse 43, and we'll actually go through the end of the chapter. And Simon answered and said, I, I suppose that uh, to he to whom he forgave most, and he, Jesus said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he, Jesus, turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou, Simon, gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Verse 47, Therefore I, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And when they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, they just don't get it, do they? began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? He said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. So we see and have seen that Jesus and his love are available to every man. We have seen and, and, and have known that Jesus and his love are abundant towards every man. But finally, I think this morning we need to see this, that Jesus... And his love 
must be accepted by every man. You see, Jesus here connects the dots for Simon the Pharisee and really calls him to a moment of clarity. This woman loved much because she knew she had been forgiven much. I want you to know that she did not do this in order to be forgiven. She was driven to do this because she was forgiven. Did you notice verse number 50? Jesus did not say it was your works or your love or anything else that hath saved you. What was it that saved this woman? Thy faith hath saved thee, Jesus said. This woman was saved and forgiven by faith in the Lord Jesus Perhaps she had heard Jesus preach. As you look at the life of Jesus, just before this chapter, we find actually over in the book of Matthew that Jesus preached a sermon that all who were laden and heavy laden should come unto him and that he would give them rest. Perhaps he, she had heard the sermon where Jesus had invited them to come and follow and know him and that they would know the truth and the truth would make them free. But regardless of what it was, this woman had put her faith in Jesus. How important it is for us to know that salvation, forgiveness, a home in heaven, a place in the family of God does not come from good works. Won't any of us work our way to heaven? Salvation, forgiveness, a home in heaven, a place in the family of God doesn't come from good works. It it doesn't come from going to church. Going to church is a a fine thing to do. It's a good thing to do. I'm glad all of you are here. But going to church doesn't get you to heaven. And anybody who tells you going to church will get you to heaven is not telling you the truth according to this book. Salvation doesn't come from good works. It doesn't come from going to church. It doesn't come from baptism. In just a few minutes, we got two young ladies that are going to be making public professions of their faith through baptism. But baptism doesn't wash away your sins. Baptism makes you wet. But it doesn't wash away your sins. Salvation is a gift that we receive by faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 teach us. Look at these verses with me. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Remember that phrase, the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3 and verse number 5 tells us in a similar vein, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Salvation comes when we recognize, as we talked about, that we are all sinners and that our sin has separated us from God. You know, this is really one of Simon's great issues. Simon the Pharisee didn't think he was a sinner that needed to be forgiven. He kept talking about the woman that was a sinner, but never once recognized that Simon was a sinner. Here's the problem. It's easy to point out other people's heinous sins on the outside. But you know, the hidden sins of our heart are just as bad. Simon's pride, Simon's criticism, uh, Simon's judgmentalism, Pharisaicism, all of that, the hidden sins of the heart, those are still sins. It starts by recognizing that we are all sinners and our sinner has separated us from God. All have sinned. That's why God sent a Savior. Because we all need saving. 
Jesus said this in a couple chapters earlier in Luke 5, beginning in verse 31. Luke 5, Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician. Who needs a doctor? They that are sick. Verse 32. So Jesus says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We have all sinned. And our sins have separated us from God. And that is why God has sent us a Savior. So we need to recognize that we are sinners separated from God. We need to recognize who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. We recognize our sin for what it is. We recognize Jesus for who he is. He is the very Son of God. He is God with us. And we can turn from our sin and we can turn to the Savior and we can finally receive Jesus as our Savior. And when we put our faith and trust in who Jesus is and what he has done when he died for our sins, was buried and rose again, we find his forgiveness and salvation. And that gift is available to every man. Romans 10, beginning in verse number 9, the scripture says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, The Lord Jesus. That's understanding who Jesus is. He is the Son of God, God with us, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. That's what he did. He died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 simply says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Receive Jesus as Savior, and you will find His forgiveness and salvation. Boy, I'm going to tell you, this was another one of Simon's issues. We see her faith, don't we? But we also see his fakeness. What had Simon done? Simon had outwardly received Jesus into his house. But Simon had never truly received Jesus into his heart. And here's the thing about a payment and a pardon. It's no good until it's applied. Give you a story to illustrate this and we're about done. In 1829, there was a man named George Wilson. And George Wilson was a criminal. He was a robber, and during his robberies, he became a murderer. And in fact, George Wilson was eventually arrested in particular for robbery and murder that occurred during a U.S. mail heist. George Wilson was tried, he was convicted, and he was sentenced to death by hanging. Now, some of his friends... They desired to intervene on on George Wilson's behalf. And and they they petitioned the president. And eventually, George Wilson's friends were actually able to obtain a pardon from President Andrew Jackson. Pardoned. He, He wouldn't have to hang. He wouldn't have to die. But when told of this, Wilson refused the pardon. He said, I don't want it. That he wanted to die. Well, the courts really didn't know what to do with it. How how can you punish? How can you execute a man who who has been officially pardoned? 
How can you execute somebody who has had forgiveness extended to them? And so the courts had a discussion. Finally, an appeal was made to the president who was perplexed and turned the matter over to the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court, then led by Chief Justice John Marshall, gave this ruling. A pardon is a piece of paper, the value of which depends on its acceptance by the person implicated. Anyone under the sentence of death would hardly be expected to refuse a pardon. But if it's refused, it is no pardon. Thus, George Wilson was executed by hanging while his pardon lay on the sheriff's desk. Jesus and his love are available to every man. He came for you. He knows you and yet he loves you anyways. Isn't that an amazing thing? Not only are Jesus and his love available to every man, Jesus and his love are abundant towards every man. That means there is nothing that that you could do while you have breath that, that God would not forgive you of and save you from. He and his love are abundant towards every man, but he and his love must be accepted by every man. Forgiveness is available. Pardon is available. A home in heaven is available. But that is not our default position. We stand guilty before God until we personally make the decision to in faith Receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior. This woman's faith is a beautiful thing. The Pharisee called her a sinner multiple times. Jesus called her forgiven. Amen. We see her faith. We see her fake, his fakeness. But you know what? Each of us this morning is also confronted with our own free will. Each of us must make the decision of what we will do with Christ. I wonder this morning if there's any here who have never made that decision to turn from their sin and turn to Jesus, to put their faith and trust in in recognizing who He is. He is the Son of God. He is God with us recognizing what he has done for us. He died on the cross. That though the wage of our sin was death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I wonder this morning if there would be any who say, you know what, preacher, that's me. His love is available and His love is abundant, but this morning I need to accept it. You know, we read multiple verses that talked about the love of God as a gift. Here's the beautiful thing about a gift. All you have to do to get the gift is what? Receive it. It's almost Christmas time. We're going to be wrapping presents and putting them under a tree. And guess what? If my kids decided, eh, I know it's there, but I'm not going to worry about it, and it was still sitting under the tree in February, honestly, I'd have returned it to Amazon by then, but uh, that's another conversation for another time. Even though that gift was intended for him, even though it was bought and paid for him, it wouldn't be his, would it? You have to receive it. If you're here this morning, 
And you need to know more about what it means to receive Jesus, to accept him as your savior, to, 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 to be forgiven of your sins and have a place in the family of God. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I want to invite you, uh, to, to if you came with somebody this morning, maybe get their attention and, or, or get my attention. What we would love to do is here on this friend day, have somebody take God's word and be able to, not because of what a preacher says or what a church says or what the internet says, but because of what God has said, introduce you to the greatest friend you could ever have, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not sure where you stand with God, boy, get it settled today. I'm going to tell you, you sleep a lot better knowing where you stand with Him before you have to stand before Him. And Jesus and His love are available to you today. Church, let me ask you this, though. No doubt there are many Christians with us this morning who have received the Lord Jesus as your Savior. But if we're honest, our our spirit has turned a lot more like Simon's than like this woman's. We've stopped really appreciating him for who he is and what he's done. To be honest, this, this whole church thing and following Jesus, if we're honest in our hearts, it's a little old, it's a little cold. Do you want to fall more in love with Jesus today? then never get over how much He loves you. Never get over how much He loves you, what He's done for you, where He found you, how He took your broken mess and is making something beautiful for His glory. This morning we're coming to our time. We call it a time of invitation. And honestly, it's just each of us are invited to respond to God. Maybe it's been a long time since you've really met God in prayer today. Let's take some time today and respond as God has spoken to our hearts. Would you stand together this morning? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our musician is going to play. And this morning, let's respond to God. Boy, if there's somebody here and you need to know what it means to to receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Get my attention, someone's attention. Maybe it's been a long time since we've just told God, thank you for loving us so much. We need to spend some time asking God to help us never to get over. As our musician plays this morning, as God has spoken to you, whether it's there in your pew or here at the front, may each of us take time to appreciate how He loves you and me.